Uh, Ignition, this is your opportunity to head out with Daphne this morning, and uh, you're going to have a great time uh, there. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Lauren, um, for that time of worship. And um, we're going to dive just straight into the Word of God this morning, and we're going to continue speaking on uh, what we've been sharing over the last um, couple of weeks, really, of the last few weeks. We've been talking, um, if you haven't been around, about God's presence and God's kingdom. And uh, last week I know that um, Ellie did a great job of communicating, I've now listened to it, uh, the message on the kingdom of God. And we've really been just in, in this flow of thoughts um, about the presence of God. Remember we talked about what is the manifest presence of God, this thought of that not just God is everywhere, but God is here, and how in God's presence we are changed. So we've been looking at what God's presence is, what the kingdom of God is. We've spoken about why we should desire God's presence, that it does so much um, within us. We've talked about how it makes a difference to our lives, remember? Um, that when we experience God's presence, we experience his peace, his wholeness, his joy. All of these things that are found in the presence of God. And we've talked about how we can experience more of God's presence, that it takes time. It takes openness. It takes desire to truly experience God's presence in a real and tangible way. So today, I want to continue looking at these thoughts about God's presence, God's kingdom, but I want to come at it from a, a bit of a different angle this morning. And I want to talk today about what can stop us experiencing the presence of God. And we could look at a whole magnitude of things, but really I'm just summing them up in this one word, distractions. Distractions. I want to talk this morning on the trouble with distractions. If you're taking notes and you want a title, that would be a title, The Trouble with Distractions. Now that word distraction um, is a word that's familiar to us, right? We know what it is to be distracted. What is a, a distraction? It's something that takes your attention away from something else. As simple as that. It's something that takes your attention away from something else. And all of us at one time or another, in one way or another, know what it's like to be distracted. I've shared um, before that when we were moving house about three years ago, um, we got a whole load of stuff down from the loft as you're moving out, and we found um, my school reports, I've shared before, that my parents had um, kept for years and then given to us in just the last few years, and the girls were fascinated. I was less keen for them to read my school reports, but they found this, this was amazing. I'm like, can't we find your mums? It'd be better that you read your mums rather than mine. Um, but they were pouring over these school reports, and, and, and they said, why does it keep saying this? And this phrase kept coming up over and over again. I don't know why, um, but it said something along the line. Well, it said a lot of stuff, but it also said this phrase over and over again. Stephen is easily distracted in one subject. Next, so Stephen could do well, but Stephen is easily distracted. Like a, and I'd love to think that that's changed. I'm not sure it has, but we all know what it's like. Whether you were somebody at school who was distracted, whether as an adult you are distracted, we know what it's like to be distracted. Apparently today, the average person touches their phone over 2,600 times a day on average. If you're up the upper end of that scale, and some of you instantly, as I said that, you're like, oh, that doesn't sound very much. If you're up the upper end of that scale... The average person who's at the upper end touches their phone approximately 5,800 times a day. And we know that sometimes those are important touches, they're connecting us with other people. We know that um, there's so much that a phone can do that we would have done in a different way before, so I understand that. But if we're honest, a lot of those touches will be 
distractions, avoidance. We're doing it because we don't know why we've just picked up our phone, but that's what we do. We think, oh, I'm just stood in a queue. Normally, we used to stand in a queue and have conversations with people. Now you're stood in a queue. Oh, I can't possibly stand still for two minutes, so I will get out my phone. Social media. The average person today spends on average two and a half hours a day on social media. The average person who are being born today in their lifetime will now spend, depending on how they live, but six years, eight months on social media. Now, when you package it that way, you may think, oh, I'm just checking this, I'm just doing... Six years, eight months. Now, again, some of those interactions are good. Some of them are necessary. You may be catching up with old friends. You may be uh, doing business online. So we understand some of that, but let's be real that some of those interactions with social media are just distractions. We found ourselves on there. We were quickly checking something, and, and for you, maybe two hours later, you're still on there. Six years, nine months on social media by the end of an average person's life today. Three out of four people in a study in 2019, they did a study of workers, and three out of four people feel constantly distracted in an office environment. We were talking about it earlier, that you can be in an office and suddenly everyone's talking and things are going on, are constantly distracted. And again, all these things are things that we experience. Let's just take it from statistics to personal. You've known what it's like to be in a room full of people and you're talking with somebody, and, and they suddenly are looking over your shoulder at something else. Again, it may be important, but you know in that moment they have become distracted. You know what it's like to have been out for coffee with somebody, maybe, and you're in Costa or um, Starbucks or, I don't want to offend anyone, so other coffee shops are available, but you're sat there, and the phone's on the table, and you're having this conversation, and somebody's phone beeps, and so they look down at whatever it might be, and in that moment, you were mid-sentence, and you know it's been cut off. They've become, we live in a distracted world. And sometimes this everyday experience of living in distraction can creep into our spiritual life. And so we end up in a place where we want to experience God's presence. We know the benefits. You hear people talk about it. We desire focus, and yet we find ourselves distracted. Now listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 4, 25 to 27. Proverbs 4, 25 to 27. And um, this is from the Passion Translation, which um, we don't have on the screen, but we will be getting it soon. But um, let me just read it out to you so you can hear it. It says, Set your gaze on the path before you. With fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. With fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. Watch where you are going. Stick to the path of truth and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourselves to be sidetracked for even a moment or take a detour that leads to darkness. Look straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions. Now doesn't that sound great? Doesn't that sound like wisdom to each and every single one of us? And that's the desire that we have, that focus that we want. And yet so often that's not our experience. So often we've allowed the distractions of life to crowd out God's presence and God's kingdom. Now if that's you this morning, then the truth is the Bible deals with this reality. The Bible wrestles with this struggle and with this frustration. And so this morning, here's what I want to do. I want us together in God's word to look at a parable that Jesus told, a story that Jesus told about the kingdom of God. 
And I want to look at two real-life accounts involving Jesus. And as we look at this, we're going to see why we get distracted, how we get distracted. And then we're hopefully going to uh, see how we can turn this around and remain focused and growing in our walk with God and our experience of his presence. So Luke chapter 14, turn your Bibles there if you've got your Bible with you. Luke chapter uh, 14. Now to set the scene, Jesus in this moment is um, at a dinner and he's just healed somebody from a condition called dropsy. And in that moment, they're talking and he begins to share some teaching about serving others and how, uh, what it is to serve one another. And in the context of that, he says this in verse 14, that those who do will be repaid at the resurrection of a righteous. And then someone at the table pipes up and they say these words, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, in response to that, Jesus tells the story. So that's the context. And Jesus tells the story. And actually, the background to the story and the reason for this story, he's, he's really talking about the Jewish rejection of the Messiah and teaching on how that would open up the doorway um, for the Gentiles to receive salvation themselves. But I'm not going to so much focus on that. I want to focus on the excuses and the distractions that Jesus speaks of. So let's read what he says, and then I'll make those points. Verse 16. Jesus replied to this man with a story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've just brought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just brought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. So Jesus is setting the scene here. He says there's something of great importance, something of great value. There's something that's so important, the, the feast, the kingdom of God. And the invitations go out. And as they do, these excuses start coming. And as you look at these excuses, you see that many of them are, are distractions in one form or another. And it's not the case that these things are bad. It's not even the case that these things are, are evil. Some of them, many of them are good, they're attractive, they're positive things in these people's lives. But in their own way, they're still distractions from the main thing. So the first two come along and come with their excuses. And really, the first and the second excuses are about business and possessions, right? The first one comes and he says, I've just brought a field, I've got to go and inspect it. What does that speak of today? It could for us, speak of business. It could speak of making money. It could speak of career, securing your future. It could speak of a home, a project on your home, an extension that you're building. It could speak of uh, a refit of a kitchen, wh whatever it might be. Again, none of these things are bad in and of themselves, but they can become distractions. The second guest says, I've just brought five pair of oxen and I want to try them out, whatever that means. I, I want to try out these oxen. I've got five pairs. I want to try them out. That could be the distraction of new things. Today, that could speak of new possessions, new relationships, new hobbies, new things that we're into. Again, not, none of them essentially wrong or bad, but distractions nonetheless. And then the third man says, I just got married so I can't come. Notice he doesn't even ask. He doesn't ask you know, to be excused. He just says, I, I, I can't, I've just got married. I can't come. You, you can ask them. You can ask her, but I'm not coming. I'm not even going to go there. So in that moment, he says, I've got married. I can't come. Now, this may strike us as a little bit strange because surely distractions. <laughs> 
You right, Nemi? You having a good day? I'm so cruel. Okay, focus back. I actually asked them to do that as an illustration in the message. No, I didn't actually. Um, so here we go. He says, I've just got married, so I can't come. Now, this one may strike us a little bit strange because surely marriages are important to Jesus. Right? We look at the first two and we say, okay, well, the love of wealth and all that. Surely marriages are important to Jesus. Surely building healthy families are important. And as you look through Scripture, you see that sure enough, there's a lot talked about when it comes to building healthy families, when it comes to building strong marriages. These things are important. But here's the truth. You can build a great marriage and a great family with God as an afterthought. You can build a great family and a great marriage with God on the outside, or else you can place God in the very center, the kingdom of God. You can orbit your family and your life. And so often we settle for good when actually God has best. So often we settle for something that is okay when God has something great in mind for us. Distractions, excuses. Now, if we flick back a few chapters, Luke chapter 10, we find this well-known account of Jesus at the house of Mary and Martha. Many of you, if you know this account, will know where I'm going with this. But let's just read it for a moment. We find another type of distraction. Luke 10, 38 to 42. It says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was, what's that word? Distracted. Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? I feel my my three daughters are very biblical because I hear this phrase very often in our house. I don't know whether they realize this. Isn't it fair? It's not fair. My sister's, I'm doing all the work and my sister just sit there. But here she is, Martha, it seems unfair to her. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, You are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discerned it, and it will not be taken away from her. So here is Jesus. He's spending time at the home of Mary and Martha. There's so much in this account that we could look at. But essentially, here is the first sister, Mary. And she sat at the feet of Jesus, which is a position... That in those days they would have taken at the feet of a rabbi or the teacher to glean from them all that they had to share, all of the wisdom. And so she sat at the feet of Jesus listening to what he is teaching. And here's another sister, Martha, who remember was the one who invited Jesus into their home. And she's busy preparing, she's busy serving. Again, all good things, all necessary things, nothing bad at all. And yet the Bible says she was distracted from the main thing. That word distraction in the original Greek is the word perispoa, which means this, to be overly occupied about a thing, to be drawn away. See, sometimes, even in doing things for Jesus, you can be distracted from the presence of Jesus. And we talked about this a few weeks ago where we said that Jesus said in the last day, people will come to me on judgment day and say, I did this, I prophesied in your name and I cast out demons. And he said, but I never knew you. And sometimes even the, the activity of the kingdom of God can be a distraction from God 
himself. That's not to say we don't serve. That's not to say that these things aren't necessary or important or building healthy families, as we said a moment ago. But the question is one of focus and distraction. That the good thing may be drawing you away from the greatest thing. The good thing may be drawing you away from the presence of Jesus. So we've got the parable that Jesus told. We've got the account of Mary and Martha. Let's just flick to Matthew chapter 14, if you've still got your Bibles open. And we come to the account of Peter. And here we're going to see Peter experiencing the miraculous. Matthew 14, 25 to 30. It says, About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it really is you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of a boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. Here is Peter in this moment experiencing the miraculous because he had the faith to step out of the boat. While all the other disciples were still scared, terrified, thinking it was a ghost, he hears Jesus' words, and on the command of the rhema word of Jesus, come, he steps out of a boat with obedience and faith. And I want you to catch this, for in this moment, all the time that he is focused on Jesus, he is experiencing the miraculous. He is doing what shouldn't normally and naturally be done. He is in this place where he is experiencing himself. None of the other disciples experience this, but he is experiencing in that moment the miraculous but then we come to verse 30 it says but when Peter saw the strong wind and the waves he was terrified and he began to sink save me Lord he shouted and Jesus reaches out and catches him but did you catch that did you see that Peter is in this moment where he's experiencing the miraculous all the time that he's focuses on Jesus all the time that he's in the presence and and focus on the presence of Jesus he is experiencing the miraculous but the minute he is distracted the minute he is distracted by the waves by the natural things the minute he is distracted by his fear he goes from experiencing the miraculous to being overwhelmed and overcome by the natural just because he got distracted and took his eyes and his focus off Jesus. The Bible shows us, we can look at so many more scriptures, that we can be distracted by so much, by sin, by fear, by wealth, by busyness, by hobbies, by family, by possessions, by people's opinions, by serving, by gossip. The list could just go on and on and on. And these distractions, while not all bad, have this in common. They draw us away from truly experiencing God's presence that can transform our lives. So is there any hope? I've I've kind of painted this picture that we're all really distracted people with no hope. Is there any hope? Of course there's hope in Jesus. Of course there's hope in his word. And I actually believe that there's some stuff that we can do with the Holy Spirit's empowering and help that can turn us around. See, so often change is actually simple. When you want to see change in your life, especially in your walk with God, God has made it that it's incredibly simple. The only thing is the enemy makes it really difficult or seem really difficult because he doesn't want you living in the wholeness and the fullness that God has for you, experiencing God's presence like we could. And I believe there's just a few simple things that we can do, many more I'm sure, but just a few that I'm going to share. But I believe if we put these things in place, we can actually experience more of God 
and more of his presence, which, as we've said, will lead to us experiencing more joy, more wholeness, more fullness, more peace, and so much more. So here's a few quick thoughts for you. The first thing is this. We need to become more intentional. Become more intentional. Ask yourself the question, what do I want the return to be on my investment? What return do I want on my investment? See, that's a question that we ask, or people ask when it comes to finances, isn't it? That if they're going to put their money in a savings account or in stocks and shares, what return am I going to get on my investment? Isn't it strange that so many people do this with money, but they don't do it with time? The greatest commodity that we have, the most valuable currency that we have, is the gift of time that God has given us. And so we'll think about what return am I going to get on my finance, but we don't actually often think about what return am I going to get on my time. When it comes to how we use our time, are we intentional or do we waste time? Do we fritter time away? Do we think about the return we get based on how we spend our time? Because maybe, just maybe... If we remove the distractions that aren't worth our time, we'll have enough time for all the things that are truly worthy. If we were to be brave enough to say, do you know what, I'm actually going to not just drift through life, I'm going to be intentional. Now I'm not saying suddenly get something out and plan out how you're going to spend every minute of your life with some spontaneous people amongst here. I'm seeing Tony freaking out, I want to be spontaneous. But there's that intentionality about how are we going to spend Am I just wasting time? Am I living distracted because one day turns into another day and another day and so on and so on? Are we using time effectively? Ephesians 5, 16 to 17 in the Amplified says this. Make the very most of your time on earth. Recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence. Because the days are filled with evil. Therefore do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. Make the very most of your time on earth. Be intentional about how we use our time will save us from the pit of distractions. The second thing is this. Stay focused. Stay focused. For if you become more intentional, then stay focused. Purposely remove distractions and purposely protect your time. So this is about creating space. For some of you, it may be the morning. For some of you, you may be horrified that I even suggested that because you are more an evening person. For other people, it may be about you know, where you work, you're able to go out in your half-hour lunch break and you're going to remove yourself from some stuff and, and just be in a place where you walk for a little bit and, and talk with God about your day. It may look different for different people. That's why we can't be prescriptive because we're all unique in the way that we engage with God. For some, it may be walking in nature. For some, it may be sitting at the dining room table with, with the Word of God open and studying it. We're all wired differently, but are we staying focused? Are we being practical in those moments when we're with God that we said, you know what, for a moment I'm going to switch my phone off. For a moment I'm going to drown out the noise of the world. I'm going to have this time with God intentionally because, listen, if you give distraction an inch, it will take a mile. If you say, I'm going to have time with God in this moment and you just got your phone there, guaranteed suddenly the phone will be bleeping and doing all sorts of stuff that will try and draw your attention and your distraction Away, So we practically remove distractions and we create space to focus on Jesus. Now, sometimes, as we spoke about last time, a distraction that may need to be removed is sin. 
Remember we spoke about openness, that sometimes we've come before God and, and we want to experience God's presence, but there's a blockage called sin in our lives. And we know God's goodness, but in one moment as we, we give him that and we say, God, I, I, I want to be new, I want to be uh, you know, in a place where of wholeness and cleanness, we walk with openness before him and we have undefiled fellowship with him in that moment. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, sum up these thoughts so well. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. What's that saying? Remove distractions. If it's sin, remove it. If it's just normal everyday distractions, remove them to be focused on him and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus remaining focused the pioneer and perfecter of our faith the amplified puts verse 2 this way look away from all that will distract you and focus your eyes on Jesus so we choose to be intentional we choose to be practical in removing distractions so that we can remain focused on Jesus. And finally, here's the third thought. Create a wide lens view of your life. Create a wide lens view of your life. What, what do I mean by that? You know that sometimes if you just see a segment of something, maybe you're looking at a photo or something, and you just see a segment, you're not seeing the whole picture. And sometimes with life, when we look at things day by day, although Jesus encourages us just to take one day at a time, sometimes when we look at just one day, we think, well, this is insignificant. But what if we were to pan out for a moment? What if we were to realize that actually one day turns into another day, into a week, into a month, into a year, into a decade, you know the rest. But what if we realize that actually a change made today that was reinforced and repeated tomorrow becomes something that over time, it's a week, it's a month, it's a year. And if we commit to changing something today, we can actually be changing what our life looks like in 10 years' time, what our walk with God looks like in 10 years' time. Here's a question for some of you. Are you still saying some things today that you were saying five years ago? For some people, you may be saying, I'm really going to draw close to God soon. You know, this year it's going to be different. Every new year that comes around, you say, yeah, I've got this hopes for my family and my career and my house or whatever it might be. And I want to do this and I want to start this hobby. And I'm really going to get close to God this year. But you end the year still frustrated that you're not where you want to be with God. You, you look at other people and you're inspired by them, but you feel like, I, I wish I could have that in my life are you still saying I'm going to get more into the word this year than I have before and, and I'm going to grow and so often because it's such big statements that we make we don't take those steps towards knowing God more what if we made changes simple changes today that we reinforce tomorrow and, and for some of you it may be looking at do you know what I'm going to set aside 10-15 minutes to really be in the word to be in God's presence to hear from and, and some of you may say only 10 if you're not doing anything right now that's a step and that step reinforced will build your relationship with God to a place where one day repeats itself and the day turns into a week turns into a month and your life is looking so much different what if we realize that the choices we make today can create long-term change in our lives where we experience that joy, that fulfillment, that peace, all the things that we've spoken about and more. Imagine what could happen 
if we made small changes over a big period of time. See, here's the truth. God wants you to experience his fullness. We talked about this a few weeks ago. God's not hiding from you, but it takes desire. It takes time. God wants you to know him. He's made it so simple. That's why Jesus talked about childlike faith. He didn't say you need a PhD, you need this degree or this qualification or this amount of IQ. He said you can come to me with childlike faith. You inherit the kingdom of God like a child. He's made it so simple. It's not far away. It's not distant. It's within reach. If only we choose to be intentional about God's presence and God's kingdom. It's within touch and distance that we could experience his joy, his peace, all that we've been speaking about. I, I don't know about you, but I believe that's worth exploring. I believe that's worth looking at and saying, Holy Spirit, where in my life am I just drifting? Where in my life am I distracted? And again, not so that we feel like a good Christian. Not so that we think, oh, I've read you know, four more verses than I did the day before. No, listen, that's self-righteousness and we can only be righteous in Jesus. But we're talking about experiencing the presence of God, the most important thing. And out as a result of that, experiencing all that he has for us. Let's pray this morning. And as we pray, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit maybe to reveal to people, not from a place of condemnation, but from a place of change and inspiration, maybe some areas in your life where you have grown distracted. And it's easy to pick so often on you know, the mobile phone or social media, but maybe it is that for you. Maybe you find yourself endlessly scrolling and you're thinking, what is this adding to my life? And you want to make some choices today. I'm going to make some changes that it may sound so practical, but actually as a result of those changes, your spiritual life is going to grow. For others of you, it may be nothing to do with phones or social media. It may be about just some, some good things in your life. Maybe fitness and health and things, but you know that it's just become just so overwhelming in your life for your career again good careers and there's nothing wrong with that and God wants us to to be blessed and to prosper but maybe you realize actually your career has now become your Lord maybe your family has now become your Lord maybe your car has now there's so many things that we can orbit our life around that just distract us and keep us away from really the greatest thing Holy Spirit in this moment Would you just minister to your people and reveal things to their hearts? Again, Lord, not from a place that they would be convicted or feel guilty, Lord, but that they would allow you to just touch that area of their life. Whatever we may have exalted above you, whatever we may have been distracted by. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would give us the strength, the wisdom, the courage to make certain changes in our lives that would cause us to focus on you. Whatever it might be that the Holy Spirit's maybe may be for some sport, but you love sport, and there's again nothing wrong with that, but you've enabled that to become a higher priority than the kingdom of God and the presence of God. Holy Spirit, just reveal those things to us, we pray. Lord, I pray that as we make decisions and as we make changes and as we prioritize, not from a religious mindset, but a a heart full of desire for you. Lord, I just thank you that we will experience more of you, more of your presence, more of your goodness. Lord, I thank you that you've made it easy for us to experience your presence. You've 
taught us to be childlike in our pursuit of you. Father, I thank you that you haven't distanced yourself from us, but you are here, you are near. Father, I pray that more and more we would know not just the omnipresence, but God is all around, but the manifest presence. God is here. Lord, I pray that this coming week, people would have experiences of you in a real and tangible way. Lord, as people are stepping out of the car to walk to, to their workplace, as people are getting ready for holidays, as people, whatever they may be doing this week, as they're resting at home, Lord, I thank you that they will experience your manifest presence in a very real and tangible way. Lord, I pray for all those of our family and our friends who we know who may be distant from you right now. Lord, I thank you that they would know your presence this week in a way that draws them home, draws them back to you. Lord, for our youth, we prayed earlier, Lord, but we just want to bring them before you again from all of our congregations, Lord, that they would experience your manifest presence this coming week. Lord, help us to be diligent in praying for them and bringing them before you, Lord. But we want them to know you as we know you, Lord. Father, bless us with your presence, we pray. Bless us with your presence. It's like Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, please don't move us from this place. Lord, that is our prayer. Let that be our cry. Let that be our desire. Lord, if your presence isn't there, I don't, I don't want to go into that place. I don't want to be involved in that. I don't want that distraction. Lord, I want your presence because I know that only you can transform me from the inside out. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word that transforms us today. Just bless you, Lord. We just honor you in this place. Just invite you to stand to your feet. Lauren and Helen are going to lead us just in one more song as we just honor God in this place. And as we do, just allow the Holy Spirit just to continue to minister to you through the word or through something else that he's spoken to you over our time this morning. And let this just be a time of ministry as we worship and honor God in this place.